Hi and welcome to episode 35 of the Barnsley Museums podcast. I'm Michael, the Digital Engagement Curator, and it sounds a little cliched, but the woman you're about to hear from needs little in the way of introduction, but we'll do one anyway. Earlier this year, Stephen, our Community Heritage Curator, interviewed Dorothy Hyman, a now-retired Olympic-winning sprinter. She competed at the 1960 and 1964 Summer Olympics in the 100m, 200m and 4x100m events, winning three medals. She also won individual 100m gold and 200m silver at the 1962 European Championships in Belgrade and representing England competed in the 100-yard and 200-yard sprint double at the 1962 Commonwealth Games. In 1963 she won the BBC Sports Personality of the Year award and as some of you will know, in Cuddiff, where she was born, there's a stadium named after her. Dorothy, thank you. Thank you. Very to talk to us. Um, so I think I'll, I think I'll start kind of from the beginning. So, so can you tell us where you grew up? And, and about, I know your dad was a miner, but can you tell yes. us a bit about what your early years were like? What was what was the time when you were growing up? Um, well, I lived, was born in Cudworth and lived in Blumfontein Street, which was a long row of terraced houses with a toilet out the back and a tin bath. Friday nights, tin bath. Um, yeah, happy childhood. Went to school. I wouldn't say I, I didn't not enjoy it. At school were all right. I never had any problems. You know, you get people saying, "No, no, I didn't get much out of school." But yeah, school were all right. I can't say I was sad to leave, but I did enjoy my time there. And you, you, you know, as your dad mining, was there, did you kind of remember him, where did he mine, did you remember him going off to his shift or...? Uh, well, he, well, he mined at various pits and he did at one time, before I was born, when he was just married, he moved to Arworth uh, and worked there in a deep mine and I know my mum said they had a new council house which she loved and she would have stayed there but my dad wanted to come back to Cudworth so they came back to Cudworth. Um, and did, did you have five, did you have four, four other siblings? I did. I had. I was the second. I had an older sister, and then I was next, and then John next, then David, and then Susan, the youngest. And there's 15 years between myself and Susan, so she's more like a daughter than a sister. That's fantastic. And what was Cuddiff like back then when you were growing up? Was it was it more rural than it is now? Was it? Not a lot, no, no, it wasn't a lot. It was always a busy little town, you could get most things there. Um, yeah, plenty of fish shops. I mean, when I were running, uh, the green grocer said it were his vegetables, and the fish shops said it were his fish and chips that made me so good. But <laughs> so, yeah, Cudworth could, could is a bit busy village, and, um, and you know, in your teenage years, that's when you've really got running, isn't it? You're, you're early teens. Yeah, well, I started when I was about. 12, 13, uh, I think my dad saw me run when I was, I think I was in the junior school, Pontefract Road Junior School, and he came to watch me run in a local school event, and I, I, I'm not sure, I, I probably didn't win that day, because I think I turned around to look at somebody, but he, he decided then, he thought I could run, why, a minor, I don't know why, but from then on he decided that he thought I could run. And um, he started taking me to run round park and uh, doing exercises. Uh, I wasn't a member of athletic club then, but it must have been when I was about 13, probably, 
13, 14, and he worked with a man called Eddie Fleetwood from Longwood, and he was Barnsley's second team coach. And he must have done some running in his days, but he did coach a few athletes at Oakwell. Um, I've forgotten his first name, somebody smiley from Grimethorpe. Um, Jean Newball from Sheffield, Gloria Goldsbury coach, but not when I was with him. I had to go to Bank End then, that was an athletic club, and they were going to watch me run. But when we got there, by the time racing were over, it was too late, so he said, well, bring her to work well on Sunday morning. And I did, and Bert Smiley, they called him. And um, Bert, he says, Bert, take her around, see what you think. And he did, he had me running at the side of him. And, and he, came, he says, yeah, she's fine. So I jo joined his little group as a junior. And they used to use me as a hair for older ones, put me in front, and I would determine they weren't going to catch me. <laughs> and I used to train on the, uh, oh, well, the cinder path round. I don't know whether it still is cinder, but that's that was a track. And, uh, yeah. and how many days a week were you there? Uh, probably, we probably went there just Sundays. Uh, and then we didn't train like... Uh, I probably trained twice a week. I weren't a member of a club, but my dad used to take me to the park and have me running and running up street. And then I'd run in little... Um, welfare meetings like we had the cohort festival things and I ran in races locally and were doing quite well but that uh, and in 3A races but then after a year you could run unattached for one year but the second year you had to be a member of a club and I was going to join Bank End but somebody said to me dad don't go there because they're falling out they're going to disband so I went to Ickleton Main at Thurnska and I used to go twice a week. We didn't have a car, and I, I used to uh, we used to go on the bus into Barnsley, Barnsley to Thurnska, train, and then back again. So you had that drive. You had the drive. To yeah. Well, my dad did. I, I wouldn't say I did, but my dad did. And uh, yeah, and that's how it started. And then it gradually snowballed, uh, and we didn't train in the winter. Uh, you, the clubs sort of shut down September at end of all the uh, Garland meetings and then we used to start training again about Easter time and then the athletics races at carnivals, whatever, started about spring bank holiday. Um, but then I did quite well as a junior on the English schools and the three A's uh, 100 metres and from then I got invited to go on a course to Lillyshill in Shropshire for a week and as I say I'd never done winter training and this was in the spring but they did send a letter to say make sure you've done a bit of training before you go um, and uh, which I did a bit but it was a bit I should have done a lot more because it was hard and my dad went on the train with me from Cudworth Station right the way to Newport where somebody picked me up from Lillyshill, got back on the train and came home again because I was at 15 and he wouldn't let me travel on my own. 
that that's the sort of thing he did. So he, he saw something in you and he was supporting you all that way and yes. you know, you know yeah. was, was going by yeah. your side, wasn't he? Yeah, it? but that course, and I learned hell of a lot about weight training, circuit training, interval running, things that were all new to me uh, as a method of training. Um, but yeah, I did learn a lot. It was hard because you were there for a week and you were training all day, every day, more or less. So after the first day, you couldn't move. And I think it was that time, Dickie Bird was there on a course for probably cricket coaching because he were probably getting towards the end of his cricketing and going into coaching and probably before he even went into umpiring. And he was there and he gave me a lift home. So you got a lift home? I got a, li- a lift home, which is... Which is something, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant, Matt. So it shows how everyone's paths crossed. Yes, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big town, but it's a small town as well. Yes, it? yeah, yeah. And you go to things and meet up with the Dickie Bird were at quiz nights and different presentations because at that time, all your firms had uh, Miss Lazinger, Miss. Siag, miss this and miss that, and and so you get invited, or they'd have quiz nights, and uh, and so then you'd pass it cross. Yeah, that's fantastic, and uh, and and then so as you developed, you got better and better. Yeah. at the sport. Yeah, and you know, kind of certainly when I've read about you in the past, you know, you can see that progression. Yeah, yeah, it was gentle, but um, yeah, yeah, you, just... you know, you, you did, you, you really did like achieve the top level. Yeah, and I, I was very young. I mean, I, I became an international uh, when I was 16, uh, my first one. I was still at what they called an intermediate then, but I ran in the nationals and I won the intermediate, but my time, well, recorded time, was equal to the senior race. But afterwards, some years afterwards, the wife of a timekeeper told me, she says, your time were better, but the den gave you a better time than seniors. So there were also a little bit of jiggery poker with <laughs> these things. But they did give me a chance to run in a French international, which I think were a mistake. They ought to let me run it relay, because a 16-year-old suddenly at White City in the stadium, and I froze, really. I didn't have a good race, so... It weren't good. It's a lot of pressure, though. It was a lot of pressure, yeah. You've, you've come from, you know, you've, yeah. you've, you've, you know, you've been, you've, you've, you've been running, yeah, you're good at it. Yeah. But then you have to be. And 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 going back then, a 16 year old then weren't like a 16 year old now. We, you know, when I look back and I look at my nieces and nephews, I think oh, I was so naive. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But had you been abroad much before? Oh no, no, never been abroad. I think first time I went abroad would be with athletics. Um, in f- it would be fifty eight, I think. Fifty eight. Yeah, and um, I mean it wasn't long after that that you were at the Olympics. Mm, nineteen sixty. So I was nineteen when I went to Olympics, and and the press didn't think Britain, sh- uh, yeah, Britain, yeah, should take any uh, sprinters. Didn't think anybody was good enough. But they did. And you showed them? <laughs> and we showed them, yeah. And in fact, there was another girl in the final, Jenny Smart, was in the final as well. So that that were good. You know, you don't often get that and we're two British in the same final, do you? 
Can you can you tell me a bit about the the first Olympics? Is it all of, is it all blurred to you now? Well, <laughs> can, it's, can you... It's it, well, we didn't uh, we didn't go to the opening ceremony of the Olympics. Uh, they decided because it, it was hot and it was August uh, that it was better. Yeah, either had to go a few weeks before to acclimatise or go straight in, run and come out. So they decided on the latter. So we more or less travelled and within a few days we were racing. Um, yeah, 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 I got through my rounds fine. Uh, I always gave 110%. Um, then I do remember warming up for the final and the, the chief coach national coach was Jeff Dyson and I, I don't think he really liked me somehow I got that impression but on this occasion he said to me uh, when I was warming up for the final now forget everything that's gone before this is the race you've come for this is the race that matters and that's always stuck you know that uh, so yeah I think I also, did I get a a false start, I don't know, it's a bit vague, <laughs> but uh, I know when I set off I thought I were in front for the first 60 metres, but then Wilma ruled off. Yeah. And um, we, what, we, what were your emotions like when you were there? I bet, you know, you, you, you didn't have much time to think about it. I mean, you don't, you? really, but the, the emotion comes when you go through tape and you know that you've done well, particularly if you've won. That's, you know, you've won, that's it. Uh, Later on, when the medal ceremonies, it's more you start thinking about, and then no, you were on your own. No, in fact, at the at the Rome Olympics, apparently, an aunt and uncle were there, uh, who we didn't see a lot of, and they they apparently were there. I can't remember ever seeing them there, but um, um, you thought of home, thought of home. You know, have they seen me? Have they pleased? And, so you're in... Because, I mean, communications weren't like they are now. You can't send a text message. No, no. Uh, so you were in Tokyo and Rome. Yes. Uh, 60 and 64. Yes. And you were thinking of could have... Yeah, but the, the Commonwealth Games and Europeans came at 62, and that was a good year. And my dad died in 62. And just, you know, about our training well... Um, and me, apparently my dad said to me one, one day anybody that beats our Dorothy this year is going to have to be good and and then we lost him in May and that was traumatic but I'd got Eddie Fleetwood, another one although I'd moved on from Eddie he still helped me a lot but I had a national coach, uh, Dennis Watts but I didn't see a lot of him but he sent me schedules to follow and Eddie um, and my dad saw that I followed the schedules to the letter that he sent. I don't think he'd ever had an athlete like me that did, as I was told. <laughs> I never expected to win. I was always frightened of losing. I didn't want to lose. I was very quiet and never aggressive in anything. But when it came to racing, I raced to win. And I always had a fear because... I remember when some athletes were finishing the last race, uh, particularly middle distance, and they'd let them win. And I thought, oh God, I hope nobody ever asks me to pull a race because I can't do it. I won't be able to do it. Yeah, also, you know, I, I know kind of um, early in your career, you, you met people and, and met people internationally. 
you know, from from the, from the states and other places. Yes. But did you make friends? Were you kind of like uh, obviously you were there to win and to yeah, run? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I made friends among British, and I'm still in touch with uh, a couple of girls. Well, one girl in particular, Daphne Arden, who ran it really with us, um, and she lives now in. Uh, she was from Birmingham then when she was running, but she's now. She lives in Arrogate. And, and in later years, she's got in touch with me again. So that's been lovely. That's when we keep in touch. And Mary Randall lives in America, and occasionally, out at Blue, I'll get a phone call from America. Yeah, that's we're around with. Uh, I were always friendly with... Americans were never very friendly. They were most... Well, Wilma particularly were very arrogant. I remember after Olympics... And we went and ran at White City the week after. In a, it probably was America versus the Commonwealth, something like that. And I walked into the changing room at White City. And there was another girl, a long jumper, I can't remember her name. And she said, Wilma, aren't you going to get ready for your, for your race? She says, what race? Oh, I'm fuming. Oh, I wish I could beat her, but I couldn't. But I tried. You did, you did brilliant. You did I brilliant. did try. And what was it? What was it like uh, when you did win a gold at the kind of um, at know, the Commonwealth Games? Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, at Europeans what first one in '62, and as I say, it was just after my dad had died, so it did matter, and I won 100 metres. Yeah, that mattered. That was for him. Then I got a silver in in the uh, in the 200. But I do remember going to Germany to run in a mining area um, and it was an invitation race and there were heats and then a final. But somebody came to me, official, and said, uh, would you like to just run in final? And I says, no, because I used to like to run in heats to warm me up. I, the more I ran, the better I got. But Jutta only wanted to run one race, a final. But I wouldn't. I said, no, I want to run in heats. So she ran as a guest, but I did. I still beat her. But I like to, I like to, have more than one run. It's, yeah. it's great that kind of psychology of how how you run. It's really mm. interesting. And, uh, mm. I'm sure your dad helped you along with that in the oh, early years. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, practice, practice. Yeah, and it was strange because when my dad were alive and I were doing me, me training runs and you'd so many. 150, so many of this, and 300s, what, who worked, they were hard. And, and I'd uh, bend down, untie my slow shoelaces to tie again before I set off. Uh, but if he said, that's enough, that, that were all right, I'd got permission not to do last run, which very rarely happened. But then when my dad died, and I was in charge of myself, uh, Eddie and my friend Josie, who I've relied on such a lot to get me training because uh, I couldn't drive then and we'd go to Wickleton and, and so she stepped in and became my chauffeur really and uh, I'd be doing hard runs and I was bent over and Eddie used to say to Josie, Josie I think she's done enough <laughs> but she says you tell her I'm not but I won't, no I've got to do five or three or whatever it were so you were to do oh, I was I were harder on myself than I was when my dad was there if my dad gave me permission it were alright and then um, did you know did the, did the rest of the family support you in, in as your career 
took off or did you not see much of them were you, were you away you must have been away well that yeah um, yeah and and there was fa- well at Susan were just little when uh, she were a baby in fact when my mum were pregnant with Susan and I were running and uh, I'd run in Eats and then we went to look round um, uh, White City near White City Market and I was looking at baby clothes. My dad said if I won, he'd give me five pounds. So I said, can I have it? <laughs> can I have it before? Because I wanted to buy baby clothes for this new home. And, and he did. And luckily I did win. <laughs> well, he did win. <laughs> I didn't really, but he, he did. He gave in to me. So and, and then also, kind of, uh, you, you sort of... Um, you, you kind of won BBC Sports Personality of the Year, didn't you? Yes, in '63. You know, kind of. Can you tell me about how you found out about that? And and I mean, that must have been a, a real sort of. Well, athlete. you didn't. Nobody knew. No, well, I never knew. You, nobody knew. And at that time, uh, you had to. Uh, they, they got little vouchers in Radio Times and things, and people had to post them on uh, to get votes. General public voted. Um, 1962, and it was held in a theatre, so you were an audience, and and, it held, and I can remember going in 62, after Commonwealth Games, and I'd got two goals and a silver, Anita Lonsborough had got three goals in swimming, uh, but I, I just, we were sat in audience and watching rehearsal, and it was Des Lynham, and they were on stage going through a process of when they presented trophy. And sort of on an aside, he said, Will Dorothy sit stand here? And I thought, oh, God, I've won it. Oh, what will I do? I got all of a dither. And then when it came to presentation, I got second, I think. Oh, and, and you know, cameras are on you. And I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. Not that I was disappointed, but it, I'd got myself so worked up. And then when it was second, but and then Anita had won it, which was fair enough, but I went to him after, I said, that wasn't very nice. You should have told me. He says, well, we didn't know how friendly you were with her. I says, well, that weren't very nice. It was cruel, that. Yeah. It weren't. Because it really gets your emotions yeah, going. Yeah, it did, it? yeah. And I think, I'm, you start thinking, what am I going to say? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it was awful. But then I got it year after. But um, no, you don't know. You definitely don't know. And um, yeah, when, when you when you when you won it, kind of um, you know, did 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 you did you did you come did you come back to Barnsley and was there any sort of celebration? Uh, uh, I don't think after that? that, not after that. But they used to be after I came back from the games, particularly Rome. Uh, I mean, early days when I came back from English schools and had one, it were done in street and they were bunting up. And I remember my dad came to pick me up. It had been in um, Plymouth. And Goodworth Station was still running then, and he picked me up at the station in his old Hillman car that was dropping to pieces. And he'd got a white sheet on back and flowers in wind. And I says, Have you been to a wedding? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know what to say. But then when we got going up Goodworth to turn into Bloomfontein, there were loads of kids watching, and they all turned and run up to say, She's here, she's here. Oh. And, uh, and they did a present. An oldest lady in the street gave me presents. It was lovely. Yeah, they always, always in Goodworth. 
made a, a fusser me coming on. Yeah, you really mean a lot to the people of Arnsin. I'm yeah. proud of you. And yeah, my and, and uh, you know, when I finished running, I thought, two years, nobody will know who I am. Uh, but it's been, it still is. I still get people who come to me. Uh, but more so just after that, uh, when Olympics were on and we weren't doing well, that uh, we're missing you, Dorothy, you should be there. But yeah, people have been really, really kind and they'll still come to me, even now. And uh, I think we had a phone conversation last week and you said, well, some people just know me as Dorothy. And yeah, they, they do. Know, they and then some, somebody tells them who I am. And, uh, but then you get somebody who'll recognise me. I don't know. They'll say, oh, yeah, I'm told to I once were, uh, when I were coaching at Cudworth, or taking keep fit classes, and I, I, I went one day and I couldn't get into the stadium car park, so I parked on road, and I had to walk back to get onto the track. And I walked past a bus stop, and I said hello to people on there, and as I got past, I heard this lady saying, that girl's never altered, and you know, it, made, it meant well to me. It really did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's absolutely smashing. Yeah. And uh, what, what, what did it feel like to get a stadium named after you? Well, at the time, I didn't want, there were a stadium named after me in Wumwell. So when they were on about, I said, well, why don't you call it um, Jack? Jack, I'm, I'm after my dad. I wanted them to name it after my dad, but they wouldn't have it. So I had to give in. But then there was a, a time when... But after I'd finished running, I don't know whether I was still coaching, but somebody in the wisdom, it might have went, could have went into Barnsley. So then you got a little bit of uh, everybody looking after their own little bit. And there was somebody wanted to change, didn't think it should be Dorothy Island Stadium, I wanted to change it. And I says, well, that's up to you, but you'll get protests from Cudworth, and we don't think Cudworth want you to change it. I don't think anyone in anywhere would want it, to it, change it. They could change it, but it wouldn't change, would it? No, it's, it's, it's still be Iman's. As, as, as me growing up, I knew it as that. Yeah. That's the yeah. way it is. Yeah. Um, so, and, and sort of like, you know, when you were coaching, kind of, uh, kind of, can you tell us a bit about your career kind of sort of after? Because I, I read somewhere that you weren't, you weren't allowed, you, you, got, you got better at running again, but yeah. then you weren't allowed to do international Yeah, I, I, well, there were a book written, Sprint to Fame, uh, and it couldn't be published until I'd finished running in Rome. And um, they knew that, the officials, nobody offered me any advice on how to do it, but at the time, I wanted to finish. I was tired, I needed a rest. And if my dad had been alive, it, that book could have been written as in, probably. I don't know if he'd have been given some advice. Uh, but I got £150 for that book, and that made me a professional. So then you went, but, you went into coaching? So then I went into my coaching, um, and I had some good... In fact, we had some real good sprinters. And I had I coached a little while at Eccleton, but there was a bit of petty jealousy and some nasty things done. And so I said, that's it, um, um, it's not worth it. I mean, it weren't my job, I worked at Coldboard. I worked at a factory for two years in Cudworth Martins, and then I got a job at Coldboard through going to a, a reception for Arthur Rowe, a chairman of Area 4, Coldboard were there, and said to me, would you like to work for Coldboard? I says, 
I don't know, <laughs> because I had been for an interview at Grimethorpe and the staff manager there weren't very nice. Somebody must have asked him to interview me. And he says, well, you're not only runner, we've got um, Gloria Goldsborough works here. And I says, yes, yes, I know, but I never heard anything else. So it, it made me a bit wary, although it was a different area. And I says, oh, I don't know. He says, well, come and see my staff manager, uh, and which I did. And he says, yeah, we'll give you a job. We'll put you in planning department as a tracer, see how you go. Uh, and if that didn't fit me, they'd have moved me around, but I took to it, I loved it, I loved my job. Uh, and, and that's how I came to work at the coal board. But I worked at the factory, they would give me time off, but obviously I lost my wage. And I used to work overtime, I had a good wage at the factory, and, and it helped bring the rest of the family up, because me and my sister, he tipped up then, you know. Um, but... Um, when I went to coal board, it were a lot less money, but my mum says, yeah, go. You go there because you'll have that wage all the time. And I never, I could have taken advantage, I could have had time off for training, but I never, ever did. I just took time off when I had to go running, so time for travelling and while I were away. Because I love my job. First place I wanted to go when I came home, well, back to work to show everybody, you know, what one at first places after my family. I had something separate from athletics, whereas in people say, oh, Dorothy, would be a millionaires now if you were running, and I would have been as good if I would have been, but um, money's not everything, is it? And you've, you've got to pay, if you get money, you've, there's some payback, isn't there? Oh, yeah, I think is. I at best of it, I at best of it. What do you think of, um, in terms of like athletics, what, what do you think of the sport uh, now and how, how it's changed over? I know we've, we've sort of touched on this, haven't we, really, about your experience, but how has, how has it changed over the years, the sport? Well, I never came across any drugs at all. I can't say. I, only we suspected Russians are not being as they should have. But as I say, I think, well, me personally, I was very naive. I, I just didn't think about it. That's one thing that makes me cynical, is the fact that other performances we see in, true performances, it makes you a bit cynical about it. And you look at shapes of people, particularly women, and I, and I think, well, I worked hard and I did weights, but I didn't look like that. I still get uh, letters and things from abroad and in Britain for autographs. Now, some, I'm thinking, what they're doing with all these autographs. So I don't know whether there's, there's one that I, I must do hundreds a year for him. And I've, uh, I was telling uh, somebody uh, uh, who is a journalist, and I said, I have thought of putting a note in saying, what are you doing with all these autographs? I mean, if, he, if somebody was selling them for charity, I would be au okay with that, but not if somebody's making a living out of it. Oh dear, and uh, and uh, so you, you you mentioned you still you still watch athletics now. You still you still follow it? Not as much as I did because I don't know them. Because we don't see a lot, do we? You know, and I'm not involved, so uh, I don't know names. In fact, there's some presenters that's coming on television, and it says they've been sprinters, and I think I don't know who you are. So I've obviously not watched or 
but um, it's hard to keep track of. It though. is. So <laughs> yeah, they don't stay so long. And of course, this lockdown hasn't helped, has it? Because that's uh, yeah. So I suppose just to wrap up the, the interview, thank thank you very much for uh, sharing your thoughts and memories. Yeah, it's been a privilege for me. Um, but just have you got anything for the record that you'd like to say? Anything at all? It's, it's the hardest question. It <laughs> is, <laughs> like, it is. Else. I mean, anything to reflect back on? No, I, I suppose for during sport and life itself, just give of your best. If you give of your best, you'll get its rewards. I'm sure you will. And, and, and as I used to say to my sister, she was a bit sensitive and she'd say, she met people who she thought were a bit, a bit above her in society, and that's a Susan. There is nobody. You are not better than anybody else, but there is nobody better than you either. You know, just go and be yourself and do it. Yeah, just go and do it. And if there's out you want, go for it. And that and that is for all life as well as sport, isn't it? Always give hundred and ten percent. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed that 30 minutes in conversation with Dorothy Hyman. We'll be back at the end of September with another episode of the Bowser Museums podcasts. Bye for now.